Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Now let's go. Let's go here to Daniel 12 and verse seven. Uh, wait a minute. No verse. I think it's verse four. I'm sorry. Who has an amplified Bible that I could borrow for just a minute? Let me find the right reference here. Thank you, Brother Ron. Thank you so much. I'll bring it back to you or you can come get it or something in a minute here. Let's go to Daniel. Uh, Let's see. Chapter 12 and verse 4. Something stood out to me in this a while back and I wrote it down and I studied it again today. And I was thinking about this. Daniel 12 and 4. And Father, we just ask you to help us to minister this effectively and accurately, the best we can do tonight. Use my lips as a pen of a ready writer. I write those things on the people's hearts. Uh, anoint me and use me, Father, in my hands, that you put anointing in my hands to help people. Not for any personal gain, but just because you love people. And you've anointed me with a healing endowment. You've anointed me in some other ways, too. And I'm just thankful and grateful that without you, I can do nothing, but I'm not without you. And I thank you that you have never left me or forsaken me. And I appreciate your uh, gentle spirit towards me, even when I didn't always do the right thing. You was always there to restore me and help me. And we thank you for that. All of us do, don't we? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're going to talk. I was going to talk about deliverance. I, I may not talk about it, but I may minister that. Later or whatever. I don't know. I'm just going to have to follow the Holy Ghost. You know, that's the thing about the prophet's ministry. It's so different than back in my <clears throat> past in the ministry. I w- you know, I was a good teacher. Amen. Not bragging, but I've been. Yes. And uh, really, Pastor Dennis and Pastor Keith, they're the two that always say to me, you were my Bible school. Because I used to preach for an hour and a half every service or longer and use 35 scriptures. And I get irritated up if you got up to go use the bathroom. I didn't call you down, but you irritated me. So, you know. <laughs> See, I mean, and that's not out of something towards you. It's out of my commitment to God to get the word into you. But see, I can't, I can't do that anymore in the same level I did it at one time because that'll short circuit the prophet's anointing. I got a lot to say tonight. I hope I can get it out. But let's look at this verse as we start down through here. Okay, now wait a minute. I must be... Okay, here it is. Let's see. Okay, this from the Amplified Bible because it says it more clearly. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. So that says to me there are certain things that won't always come to pass until we get towards, towards the end of time. And I would call it different seals are broken that God knows about needs to be broken then and different things will come to us. And uh, let's see. Then many shall run to and fro and search anxiously through the book and knowledge of God's purposes as revealed by his prophets shall be increased and become great. Yes. Amen. I'm a prophet speaking to you tonight. And I've been that way for really probably a good portion of my life, but I didn't see it that way. I was too ignorant and uh, insecure, a lot of things. And because all the people that I know that are really prophets like Dr. Dufresne and Brother Hagen and uh, 
I'd have to think about anybody else, but I know that they had told me a lot of times there's so much criticism with this ministry gift because people critique you and you're a little different than the other four and you have a lot of things in your mantle that uh, it's not mysterious to me, but it's mysterious to some people. How did you know that? Well, God told me that. Again, I don't ever embarrass anybody publicly if I know they got a real problem or sometimes it's something that's imposed on them as a child and they got abused. You know, I got a letter from a sweet lady. I don't know her. She said I didn't know her, but she came to Paducah when I was there and I must, I ministered to her. She said she got in the prayer line, but she, and she said something about trauma. I don't know if I said that publicly, that word, but she, her dad was terrible when she was younger you know, abused her physically, mentally, emotionally. And that young lady, I, I, she said she's 28 now, I think she told me in the letter. It was a precious letter. Did you read it, Donna? Yeah. And then she sent me an offering. It said, you laid hands on me and said, all that trauma I was carrying around with me inside of myself because I knew what my father had done. And I was struggling. I love God, but I was struggling because of all that heaviness and torment. It just vanished. She said, now when I think about being a little girl or teenager or whatever, um, I have good memories. Said, I never had anything happen like that where I got touched that deeply by your ministry. I just wanted to write a letter and thank you. It was precious. Yeah. Yeah. And then another young lady I prayed for, uh, and I'm not looking for people just to pray over deliverance, but if they're in the line and I discern something, then I'll deal with it. I was at Pastor Owings Church a while back. I don't remember the dates. Not too far back. And there was a young lady there. I'd never met her before. She was new to the church, new to the pastors. And she got in my prayer line. When I got to her, I knew she had a devil in her. I said, come out. <laughs> she started screaming. But she wasn't screaming because I said that. She was screaming because the devil was coming out of her. And she fell out. And she kind of rolled over on her tummy. And I just put my hand down on her head. I said, I'm the one just laid hands on you. This is Michael, Dr. Jacobs. And I, I said, I'm going to stay with you a second. And then all of a sudden that spirit came out of her back and flew through the wall. I said, you just got delivered. So I left. I didn't think any more about it. I don't even know the girl's name. <clears throat> Still don't know her name. I'd say she is 25, maybe. Uh, she went to the pastor and said, could I give a testimony? Well, what about? And, you know, you don't just let anybody take the mic. Some people kill the service. <laughs> you know. I know nobody do that in, in, on purpose, but a lot of people, because they're so ignorant of spiritual things like I'm talking about, they would just say anything comes to their mind and that might be safe. What people are thinking about things because they may not have their mind renewed. So this would be a bunch of nothingness or destroy the anointing for the preacher that does have the anointing. But they, she said, well, I want to tell about how when Dr. Jacobs prayed for me and I got up, I was free. That's the only word she used. I got free. And so he let her give her testimony. He said, it was a great testimony, doctor. I said, praise God. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Father. And listen to this. It's again, it says, and the knowledge of God's purposes. See, part of the purpose of God in this meeting is to reveal to you the mantle of a prophet, me. Not the prophet, that's Jesus. He's the prophet. But at the same time, I'm unique in that ministry gift of prophet. And I'm trying to help you understand what I have in me so you could receive of it. Yes. Are you listening? Yes, 
Yeah. And it says, of uh, God's purposes, they'll be increased in your life and become great. It's kind of what Pastor Cassie was saying in some ways. You know, although she didn't have anything against me, she just wasn't hooked up properly, she said. So anyway, praise the Lord. You know, I went, I went to a Baptist seminary, you know that, back in the 70s. And, and they, did, they made fun of Pentecostal people. Unfortunately, I, I didn't do that, but they did. And then somebody gave me a book by, uh, what was his name, the Episcopalian guy? Dennis Bennett. Dennis Bennett. And I was two weeks from graduating from seminary when somebody put that, hand, that book in my hand. And the next morning, uh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in spite of all the teaching they tried to tell me because I was hungry. You can't get much from God if you're not hungry. If you're here tonight just looking for information on the prophet, that's not bad attitude, but it's not the full attitude you should have. I'm trying to help you understand what is in my mantles to help you if you need it. That's what I'm trying to do. And you know, all of us are different. We're different. Even if you lined up 20 prophets, we're not, we're not clones. I know people say to me all over the planet where I go now and have been for many, many years, said, man, you remind us of Dr. Dufresne. You sure got a something from him, didn't you? I said, yeah, I sure did. And I'm thankful for it. But I'm not trying to pretend to be him because I'm not him. But like I think Cassie said up here when she was here, I made it a point to be in 10 or 15 meetings a year with Dr. Dufresne as I began to know him better and travel with him. And I went on mission trips with him and things like that too. Anyway, I, I got up that morning. My wife wasn't awake yet, and I went in my little study in the back of our apartment, and I read about seven pages of his book. I think the book's about 120 pages, something like that. And I fell on my knees. I said, God, I don't understand all this, but this man's smarter than me. He makes perfect sense to me. I want it. And I started, and I started speaking in tongues. And all of a sudden the devil, I heard the devil say, you're crazy. What are you doing? And the Lord said, Michael, listen to me. Just keep a hold of that and keep doing that. You'll be all right. I had a funny story goes with that. So my wife and I in the afternoon, we're driving to a Christian bookstore. I'm driving. She's in the passenger seat. She said, what's that funny looking grin on you for? I said, you really don't want to know. <laughs> she said, well, I do too. I want to know. I said, Okay. I spoke in tongues this morning. Oh, you what? <laughs> she grabbed the Bible out of the glove compartment, slammed it up there. You show me in here, Michael Jacobs, where it says that. I said, I just got one verse, you know, Acts 2, 4. And boy, we got in a big discussion <laughs> in the parking lot of the Christian bookstore, Logos bookstore. It used to be a big store over. It was a great store. I, we knew the owners after a while. But, uh, she finally simmered down and said, you know, I know you're not a crazy person. I know you're not a flippy, nonchalant person. So you must know something that I don't understand. She said, what does that make us now? I said, how about Christians? <laughs> <laughs> She's thinking we're not Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't know about you, but I'm a Christian. But see, I was, I was hungry. He, and, and, you know, I didn't go in there the next day trying to convert all those Baptists that were drilled at their whole life yeah. because uh, they're going to try to shut me off and cut me off and put me down and make me say, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Well, I knew exactly what I was doing because I, I love God. Yes, sir. I prayed a couple hours back when I didn't pray in tongues today. 
because when I fell in love with Jesus, just like I was an addict, a drug addict. I wasn't a drug user. I was a drug addict. That ought to say a lot to you. If you've never been a drug addict, you don't really know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I was going to be committed to Jesus too. Let me say something to the preachers here. You know, this happened to me. I went to Dr. Dufresne when I hooked up with him in 93. By 95, he said, why don't you come out here to my place and be with me in a meeting? I said, well, yeah, I'd be glad to do that. Fresh oil. He called fresh oil meeting then. And it was in May, I think. And we went to this meeting and, uh, <laughs> and I went there and I was in the meeting with him all week. And about by Wednesday, I think it was, I, I had another person with me, but he went for a drive in the car and I was in the hotel alone in the comfort inn, but there wasn't no comfort there. I can guarantee you. <laughs> What a pathetic hotel. <laughs> pathetic. And I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? I don't seem to be clicking in here. He said, well, this is your problem. This is to the preachers particularly. The rest of you could listen. The Lord said to me, you've been on this side of the altar too long. Giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out. You know, that's all I do in my life. I hope you realize that. I'm not bragging. I give out, I give out, I give out. And just because, you know, I don't do what you do, for a living. I've got to be trained and skilled and know where I'm coming from in every service. I hate to say it, but you expect perfection out of me. So one time a praise and worship leader asked me what they could do to help me. I said, well, you quit singing so long. You expect me to be on it when I get up and take over. Why can't I expect you to be on it when you get up to sing? You sing for an hour and 10 minutes. Why don't you just sing three songs and put me up? She never said a word. She didn't argue with me. She didn't rebuke me. She just said, yes, sir. And there are some of my best friends in the world today, the Gleasons in Mexico City. Most people never asked me a legitimate question like that. I could have helped them. But I just knew her enough that I could say whatever I need to say and she could handle it. I don't know how I knew that. Most people I can't do that with. They're too touchy and feely and emotional. All right. Anyway, so what happened is the Lord said to me, you've been on this side of the altar way too long. You don't, you're not responding in the meeting, Michael. You, don't you think you need help? I said, well, I want all the help I can get. He said, well, then back like it. Ever offer everything he calls for at the altar, unless it's not you, don't get in the line for the singing, people. You're not a good singer. I said, okay. But anything he said that this remotely was close to what I might need, I jumped up immediately and ran forward. And that Friday of that week, two days later, I was sitting over here and he was on the platform way over here and he saw me, pointed to me and he went like that, come to me, come to me. I was running, 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 got up to him. And the guy that was with me said he hit me about 50 times. He hit me in the head, the shoulders, hips, and back up and down. And I fell out and I couldn't get my rear end off the floor. So I could sit up in a sitting position and I, uh, I didn't know how long I was going to be stuck. So finally I made an effort to move back to this first row. My rear end still on the carpet. Came back here. I said, Hey, can I park there? They said, sure. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened to me though. I went to bed that night about 11 o'clock Friday night, 1995 in May. And about two o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden I had this, it's like a science fiction movie, like this blue electricity going down and up my legs. I was trembling. My legs were doing like this. It wasn't painful, but it was real. 
I threw the covers back and ran over to the guy next to me in his bed, went in the bathroom. It was about two by two footage or nothing. Came back out, ran over his bed, over my bed, got to the front door, grabbed the handle, was going to run out in the parking lot. And I went, I'm in my undies. <laughs> I'm about to get arrested. You know, Indiana pastor busted for streaking. That's all I need. <laughs> but you know, I came back. That was Friday night at two o'clock in the morning. That anointing stayed on me for three and a half years. How many were with me back in those days? Lift your hand up. Look at this. And every service became almost like, oh my gosh, I don't have any idea what's going to happen this Sunday or Wednesday or Sunday night or whatever we did. One time I had a board meeting in the back over here where the, the kitchen area is over that way. And we'd have a board meeting once a month and we'd come together and pray and have a meal and then I'd teach them. So we'd had a pulpit. Then we had tables running down like this and across the other. And I had about, uh, I think about 12 couples there that were in leadership. I got up and opened my Bible and the Lord said to me, I don't want you to do, I want you to run down through there and on the side of their head, slap them, every one of them. And three hours later, we came too. <laughs> Is that true? They were there. Were you there? No, but you guys were there. I don't know if there's anybody else here that was on the board with me. Anybody else remember that night? Dale. Dale's back here. He's raising his hand. Dale was there. <laughs> when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, was Dale there too? I said, yeah, he sure was. <laughs> I mean, we were just totally drunk in the Holy Ghost. We were looking for Cynthia. She was fell out in the kitchen on the floor and laying around laughing. We, we couldn't figure out where Miss Mary was. Is she here tonight, Miss Mary Flock? Oh, she's working. She's a working lady. But uh, she, somebody said, well, she was carrying some Pepsis going down the hall about an hour ago. <laughs> and we went down that hall, and she, Pepsis cans were everywhere, and she was like, <laughs> talk about a move of God. Yeah. And about 11 o'clock at night, I remember, I, I know Valinda had to be helped home by Michael, her husband. Uh, uh, you were pretty drunk. <laughs> Mary was drunk. And I said, if people drive by this church at 11 at night, they're going to think we're just toasted. You know, we're blitzed. But see, it was, just a, uh, it was just an ongoing move of God. I haven't got time to go down there too deep. Just some unusual things happen. I mean, I, and you know the thing about it that's most remarkable? I was not that kind of person. Some of you are like I used to be. You're so stiff. <laughs> and if somebody runs by you, you go, what's wrong with them? <laughs> Nothing. Maybe you ought to jump in, take a lap. You know what I'm saying. Just unusual things would happen. I haven't got time to go down there too deep. But uh, let me tell you what happened to me getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. So I'm back to the preachers. I wrote down, be a good receiver, especially the preachers. So if you're a preacher, I'm talking to you. You don't have to make it up, but sometimes you can get into pride. I'm not accusing any of you here of being a pride or, or any of you. Maybe you are, but I don't know if that you are. But you can get to where you think, I don't need that. <laughs> well, you need everything God has for you. Yes. You've got to get over your, who's going to see me? How am I going to look? We're going to think you're smart. People like me are going to think you're really smart because you responded to the Lord. Yes. Not to me, but to the Lord. Yes. Yes. Good. You got to get all that washed out of you. Yes. 
I don't know if it's dignity or just ignorance or pride, but it's something holds people back and they won't respond. You're going to budge me. I'm not getting up there for that. What are people going to think? I don't know. People don't think good anyway. Just do what you need to do. That's the way I would say it. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm still back on my Saturday when I woke up and spoke in tongues and had the argument with my wife. Oh, I'm sorry. A discussion for all of you that don't like anything too aggressive. And I knew about this little girl in my church. She's about nine years old. The couple that mom and dad said she had, she's lost her hearing. She's going deaf. She had four different tubes in her ears four different times and it didn't work. And your ear, if it doesn't drain properly, you got problems because that moisture starts getting in there. And if it stays in there, it rots out some of your flesh on the inside, what you hear with. And they're going to cut her open next Friday, this Saturday, the week before that, going to cut her open both sides of her head, pull that out and go in and see if they could repair it. And there wasn't even a guarantee if they, she could hear when they got done. I commend them. They were going to do as much as they were going to do. But this is a Saturday before. And the Lord told me, see, I just got filled with the Holy Ghost that morning, praying in tongues. And right away, that word of knowledge started working. Not to, to know that she was having surgery was not a word of knowledge. But what God told me, he said, I want you to bring her up and pray for her and lay hands on her. And I'm going to heal her. So I called the parents and I said, would it be all right to pray for, let's just call her Susie in the morning because I know she's going in for major surgery Friday. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, sure. That'd be, I think they thought I was going to do a token prayer. When I tell you the end of this story, you're going to be irritated at the parents. So I just did what God, in fact, I didn't even know how to pray for her. I called up a friend that he was an ex-Baptist but got spirit filled and they kicked him out of the denomination. I just left. But the dominant, I didn't really kick me, but I just left. <laughs> and, uh, but I had my dues to pay with some people. Anyway, I just, I called up him, Pastor Roy Lamberth. He's still alive. He's got to be about 90 now. Is that right? D 93. 93. Thank you, Daryl. He knew him for a long time. His mom and his dad, and he was over there in that church too. I called him up and said, Pastor Roy, tell me, what do you do when you lay hands on people? Would you adorn them with oil or what? He said, well, you can, or you just lay your hands on them and just pray. See, that's how ignorant I was back then. So I laid hands on her and prayed, and they went in and take her in, and the doctors came out, and one of the nurses came out and took her back. Ten minutes later, they brought her back. They said, we don't understand this. Everything's perfect in there. What would you do to her? And he was embarrassed. And so the dad called me and he practically cussed me out. A true story. Member of my church. I've had some good cussing outs, but not by a member of my church normally. <laughs> I, some guy told me to go to hell a while back in this church. I said, you're heading that way. If you don't straighten up. In fact, just stay out of my church. You don't know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't bother you at all. I'm just, when I was a shepherd, I was a good shepherd. I, I ran the wolves off. <laughs> That's what he was. Anyway, so uh, he called me up. He's mad. And I said, wait a minute. Aren't you her father? Well, you know I am. What's the matter with you? I said, well, you, and you don't appreciate that God healed your daughter for nothing. You didn't pay me anything to pray and it wouldn't matter if you did. I was just going to pray because God told me to pray for her and he was going to heal her. And now you're mad about it. Have I got it about right? Yeah, and I'm not coming back to your stupid church. I don't want you back. Stay gone. 
Now, what is that? That's pushback from a carnal person that's more religious than spiritual, more religious than word, and unthankful and ungodly that God healed his daughter for nothing, no scars, no recovery time. She's totally well, totally hears perfect. Only reason I'm bringing that out is I got a little inkling that God was going to use me along that line after I thought about it. Had a lot of other people healed since then. All kinds of stuff. (laughs) Little Jimmy got healed in my church. He had, I don't remember what you call it, but he had one leg that he drug and one hand was stuck there like it was glued there. I preached on faith one Sunday. Here he came by himself. He's about 10 years old. He said, Pastor, lay hands on me. I'll be healed. Laid hands on him and said, well, you're healed. He said, I sure am. He went back to his seat like that. I think the congregation thought, well, they're just playing a game with each other. But we weren't playing a game. I was praying in faith and he was believing in faith. He, he couldn't zip his pants. He couldn't button his shirts. Couldn't tie his shoes. Within three months, he started buttoning some buttons. Five months zipping his pants and then doing his shoes. And by a year later, he was playing basketball on the junior high team. Totally healed. That, that arm straightened out in hand. The leg got re- restored. Anyway. All right. I don't know where I'm going tonight. I'm trying to go somewhere here. Hang on a minute. I'm going to... Go to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, let me see here, chapter 11. Still talking about the, the uh, prophet, but I'm, I'm working some things in it too, and I hope to get through with this tonight. It's, that's what happens to me lately. I get t- telling stories and one thing leads to another. But uh, let's look at this. There's something in here I wanted to show you. 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 28, 29, and 30. Let a man examine himself, not examine his wife or some other believer. Let a man examine himself. See, that's what I said last night. The problems I have are all starting in with me, not with anybody else. I just got to learn to, you know, sometimes suck it up and get a revelation from God, go to the Bible and find the answers and start living in the truth of that. If I'm struggling in some area, I talk to the Father about it. All right. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat. So the purpose of examining yourself, catch this, is to get you included in what he's trying to minister to you. And here it was the Lord's Supper. But anything. See, when God corrects you, he's expecting you to move towards him so you, he could use you better. Like Pastor Dennis taught us this morning. So we can eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that drinketh unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself. This is the thing I'm getting to. Not discerning the Lord's body. Well, you're in the Lord's body, and I'm in the Lord's body. And he says, because people don't discern what their part is for this cause, because they're not discerning. See, if you just discern, well, that's just uh, Michael up there preaching. Well, you're not going to get much except Michael. But if you receive me as a prophet, like she said, and I said last night, Matthew 10, that's in the Bible. I didn't write it. You know, I'm just telling you what's written. You receive a prophet, name a prophet, you receive a prophet's word, you receive a person as a righteous person, you get that level. If you receive a person as a disciple, you're, you're lowering it down every time in that contest. It says, for this cause many, not a few, listen to this, many are weak and sickly. See, if you don't straighten it out when you first get weak, then you get sickly and then you get dead. He says, and many sleep. And he uses the word many a couple times in this one verse. 
This is pretty serious stuff if you don't discern. And you've got to discern Jordan right as your pastor. He doesn't have my anointing. I don't have his anointing. You follow me? Miss Jessica has some of my anointing on her for healing. But she's just raising three boys right now. She's got a definite anointing on her when she sings. But she's got some healing things in her too. You know, anyway, maybe later on she can travel with me to some of my meetings and sing. I'm not pushing her. I'm just talking. But she does have those things in her. So if you discern Jordan is going to do that, then you didn't make a wise judgment. If you think Jordan could be me, that's not true. He's his own man. See, you're not trying to believe for something that isn't there. You're just believing for what is there to come out and bless you and take care of you. And there's five things that happen. You know, I've talk, I wrote a whole book on it, Spiritual Father and Spiritual Failure. You need, you'd have thought I did something terrible to everybody because I wrote a real book that you have to grow up or, or get mad at me either way. Don't matter to me. I, God told me to write it. He did tell me you're kind of premature in this in that when you get it out, you're going to have a lot of conflict. But I want you to write it anyway. Okay. I put all the chapters in there. You could read the answers that I quoted and said thus and such. And you maybe just thought I did it. Well, you read the scripture that shows you that that's what the Bible says. Right. Most people don't want to grow up. They'd love to have my angel book. But when it comes to something like that, they might just say, eh, I don't think I'll buy that today. Right. All right, I'll move on and get off of that. Right. You must properly discern things. You discern your part in the body. And then you discern properly the office of the prophet that's in this body. You really got a kind of a double blessing with me and Jordan and Jessica because we all have certain anointings and there's others that have anointings to do other things too. And do I lose, use Miss Liz and Joe as an example last night. You know, and Sean, he's just a, what can I say about Sean? He's just something. Is he in here and he back somewhere helping? There he is. I didn't see you. You know, he's done everything I've asked you to do for 22 years. Never talked back. Never smarted off. Never act like, you're crazy. I can't do that. I just said, well, I need your help. Could you look into this? And he's always, yeah, what do you need? And he'd write it down and get it done and come back and tell me. And what kind of, or Donna or Jenny. I mean, they're the ones that have been with me a long time. Michael's doing a great job too, and so is Olivia if you're in here. I don't know. I'm not going to try to figure out where everybody's seated, okay? <laughs> but see, they have a calling too. And I told Pastor Sean recently, oh, a couple of years ago, I don't know, time flies, could have been five years ago. I said, if you wanted to go start a church, I'd be behind you 110%. He said, I'm not called to do that. I'm called to help you. And then when I put my son in that stead, he said, I'm called to help you in Jordan. I got a, found a passage in the Bible. I'm not going to teach it tonight. Where, you know, David, he was kind of a warring king. That's kind of me. I've killed a lot of the giants that Jordan don't have to kill them all. Because I've already buried some of them. And I've buried them where nobody would find them. I'm serious. So I've got a place halfway in order already. By telling that guy, you can just keep on walking because you're a predator and I don't want you in my church. Yeah, just talk straight to him. He was cussing me out. Anyway, you have to discern the office of the prophet in the body and discern properly. Uh, this is, these are Pastor 
Parker's notes, but they're really good. So he put, discern properly Dr. Jacobs in your life, which is what she just got done telling us. That God sent him. Not discerning can cause sickness, weakness, and premature death. And I put, and then I must have said, so if you get all that right, you could finish right. I think she used that comment. Anyway, some people just want to show out. You know, first of all, let's clear these misconceptions. Here's some of them. That a prophet, all he does is prophesy. First of all, that's not true. And second of all, it's not always public. I can prophesy publicly. may do that tonight. We'll just see where it go. But first and foremost, a prophet is a teacher and a preacher of the Word of God. That's his first responsibility. I don't care what he is. Apostles included, if you need to know that. You know, and laying on of hands, this is from Brother Hagin, I think. Laying on of hands goes with that ministry of the prophet. And a healing anointing goes with the ministry of a prophet. So I had to learn that. I didn't know that when I started, even, even attempting to walk in the ministry of a prophet. And then some people think that you know everything about you and your situation. I don't. If I look at you and you feel guilty, then, honey, you just got, you better get rid of that. <laughs> But people said, you look at me for a minute, and I thought you were going to read my mail. I said, is there anything in there nasty that i going to look at? What, what's up with that? What does that mean? <laughs> people got a lot of strange ideas about the Bible and God and ministry. And, you know, I don't know everything about you. I only know part, and I don't know the part that I need to know to help you. And I've never ever said anything publicly with anybody that would embarrass them. I think there's only one person that I can remember in my entire lifetime of laying my hands on people. And it was at this altar that I wouldn't lay hands on. She came in the prayer line. I skipped her. I got the person before, passed her by and got the rest of them. Boy, she was hot mad when she got to me after. Why didn't you touch me? I said, God, God told me not to. Why don't you tell me what's wrong? When God tells me not to put my hand on somebody, I'm not going to put it on you. I don't know what your issues are, lady, but figure it out. But I'm not going to disobey God for you or anybody else. I'm sorry. You've got some issues that need to be settled before you get in the prayer line next time. Of course, most cases, people just do whatever, you know, the preachers do. Just Anyway, talking to you. <laughs> Sometimes prophets act strangely. God tends to choose people. He, God chooses what he reveals to the prophets, but they don't know everything. I'm just talking to you here a minute. Let me, let me just go on here. Uh, the prophets confront things. Let me get to these other notes back here. I've got some other things I want to talk to you about in just a minute. Talking to you still about the prophet. Here's what Brother Hagin says about, you know, so you could be, you could be a prophet in making. You could be a prophet in in a certain level of that, but you don't know it yet. But you know, I, I'm not encouraging you, but you could be that if God gives you the right to do that and you've got the right gifts in you that qualify you for that. But just because you prophesy to somebody or even have a word of knowledge about somebody, that doesn't make you a prophet. What in my life, this is ongoing, consistent, consistent. And now that I'm a little older, 72, I'm not real old, but I'm getting, I'm not 36 anymore. Uh, I have a lot more visitations and I have a lot more visions than I used to ever have. When I teach on visions, I teach about the main ones. God didn't demand that I teach everything. I'm glad he didn't. I didn't even want to do the ones he told me to do, but I said, I'll do it. Because he said, if you don't, it's out. You're, other, you're going to be in trouble. I said, I'd love to do it. 
See, I got a right attitude about stuff. And I'm not bragging because I didn't ask to see anything. I didn't even ask to get in this ministry. And I argued with him for a year and a half that you don't know what you're talking about, Father. I am not your guy. <laughs> you know, I was a lot more carnal back then when I wasn't spirit-filled and only been saved three or four years. Leave me some slack here. Come on, act like you understand what I'm saying. Yes. I haven't always been this right. radical. I'm just really normal. Trying to keep up with God is a challenge sometimes for me. Because he's just moving all the time. Yes. I hope you're listening to me. I'm trying to make some sense here. I wanted to say something here. Brother Hagin says, if you intrude into an office that you're not anointed for, it'll cost you your life. Maybe that'd make people sober up a little bit. You know, if you want to die young or die soon, just try to do something that you're not anointed to do and be something that you're really not on the inside. And believe me, it'll all just turn to dust and clay eventually because you're in disobedience as much as the person that won't respond to God. You're trying to make something happen. And some of us can see that in some settings. We go, ooh, that didn't smell good. What is that guy doing? What's that woman doing? Yeah. All right. It's Brother Hagin's comment, though, about intruding. In, you could do that in the Old Testament had a lot more... Uh, you didn't have as much grace back then as you do today in the new covenant, but still you're going to run that grace out sometime if you're not careful. Are you listening to me? No one should direct your life, but God. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It's what God calls you to. And he does the setting in the body of Christ. Then I wrote down, you'll have some, you have to put away some things to walk in the fullness of the prophecies you have received. If you get a prophecy, it's not, oh, I got goosebumps. He prophesied something to me. No, it's like you got a bigger workload coming, baby, if you're listening. And you're going to have to straighten up and fly right or disqualify yourself. I'm talking to all of us. You hope you're listening. All this goes with the ministry of the shepherd, the prophet, the apostle, all of us, and all the body of Christ. Because in the comment here in chapter 11 was to the body of Christ. Many are not discerning their part in the body. And that means because you're in this body, I'm a part of this body. This is home for me. You got to discern what my part is. Yeah. You know, if Jordan gets up and loves on you and, not, and I try to love on you best I can, I really do. Yes, but I might get a little direct or a little emboldened or maybe hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to. You need to be able to take some though. If it's, if it's from God in the right spirit. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm trying to help the whole body. Yeah, I'm just talking to you. There's been a lot of people come here thought they ought to have the pulpit. And I didn't like them. I didn't care for them. And I said, you're not going to get it. Because I don't trust you. Come back in five or ten years, maybe when you grow up, I might, you know, whatever. But See, he was used to being in carnal churches. They let everything go on. They have open mic night. You're not going to get that here with me. Okay. And probably not Jordan. See, I already killed a lot of those giants. So, See, that's, that's really holy reverence for God and for his men and women of God that are in charge. Maybe you wouldn't have liked to confront anybody and say, when they told you to go to hell. You may have just stood up and slapped them down and beat the, you know what, out of them. 
You can't do away with the office of the prophet. If you do, you have to do away with the other offices. What makes a prophet? A preacher and teacher of the word. We said that a minute ago. Base your ministry on the word, not on manifestations of the spirit. Put the emphasis on the Bible and there's no pressure to perform. For every service I go to, there's no pressure for me to act out anything or do anything that might be a little different. Although there have been things I did, and I'm going to talk about them in a few minutes. You give me a little extra time tonight to get this out. Uh, there are no prophets among the laity. I mean, some churches, everybody thinks they're something. And really what that is, what is it? That's a lust for a title. Come over to our church. We'll give you a title. Well, I'm going over there, man. I got a title. Yeah, but what substance do you have in your life? Do you live right? Do you talk right? Do you believe right? Are you a holy person? Yeah. Are you in strife? You fight everybody that opposes you? What? It's more than having a title. Yes, sir. I don't even, you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't have cards I pass out, Dr. Jacobs. <laughs> Somebody asked me, are you a doctor? I said, yeah, but a preacher asked me that in this city and made fun of me because I didn't have a PhD. I just met the man five minutes before that. And Jacob was with me, Jessica's husband that's in heaven. He called me doctor. He said, oh, you got a doctorate? I said, yeah, this was the second question. Is it a PhD or a doctor of ministry? Like that really mattered. <laughs> and the next time somebody does that, well, I'm going to say it's none of your business. See, he's impressed with intellectualism. And I didn't say anything rude to him. I said, it's the doctor of ministry. But I didn't say, why, why is that important to you, brainy? Yeah, come on. Yeah. I got people pretty well figured out that talk wrong. It, it triggers me. Trigger points go yeah. off inside. Goofball, goofball, goofball. <laughs> I wasn't trying to promote myself. Uh, Pastor Jacob said, do you want me to get you a cup of coffee, Dad? We were with the kids at the school where all the kids go that are Christian. <laughs> I think it was donut day at the harbor, whatever. <laughs> There's a price to be paid to walk in your office. There are no prophets among the laity. Prophets are on full-time ministry. They may prophesy, but they're not a prophet. Prophets have at least two revelation gifts. I told you that last night. I'm just going over that. In my ministry, it's the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. I have a word of wisdom periodically, but it's rare so far in my life. But uh, the ones that are real prophet have that as a consistency. Like, I think it was last night. I think I said something, maybe publicly. I don't remember for sure. I thought I said I saw a little vision today and this angel had an intestine in his hand. <laughs> I know that sounds graphic to you, but I just, that's how God uses ain't not only th thing that he uses angels to do, but sometimes they come, they have potty parts. And occasionally I've said, what is that father? And he'd speak to me. That's a spleen. I'd never saw one up close. You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes they have a skeleton. And I said, that's for bone issues. I knew that right away. Others come and they brought other parts of people. And one guy had a heart one time, you know, the, th the thumper here. And they were doing that to help me. But let me say something. I'm not having visions and dreams every day. I hardly ever have a dream. But, uh, you know, I do have visions. Sometimes it's just a little snippet. Other times it's just knowing in here. That's more word of knowledge. But word of knowledge can come through the angels assisting me and showing me a picture 
of what needs to be done. I'm just talking to you. I hope you're listening. I, I don't see angels every day, all day, and all that kind of stuff either. I'd just like to tell you. At least you think I'm weird. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. I'm going to get down into the nuts and bolts of this. The characteristics of prophets. Let's talk about it. We're in 1 Corinthians already. Go over to verse chapter 12. Uh, 2 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians 12, not 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and maybe following, but I think we'll just use verse 1. So what are prophets really like? First of all, they're men and women of revelation. They have a revelation about certain things. Some of us have a revelation about several things. Now, I don't know if I can explain this to you. I'd like you to help understand it, but I don't have just knowledge about angels. I have a revelation of it. Because I've walked with this for, since 1980. Right. That's 40 years plus. <laughs> 42 in 22, right? For, I'd be 42. And I realized that they helped me. Hallelujah, I was going to say something. About Revelation, so. Not the book of Revelation, but here is Paul writing. And he was a prophet also and a teacher and an apostle. Like we read last night, remember in Romans 11? I magnify my ministry, my office. Okay. Here he is talking to the Corinthians. He says, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 12, 1, is not, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So he says there he has visions and revelations of the Lord. So this is what a prophet does. He has those things. Of course, in Galatians 1, I think it's verse 12, he tells about Jesus revealing things to him and teaching him about different things that he learned. Paul, he learned a lot of that from Jesus, not other preachers. Talking about Paul, the apostle. And, but he was a prophet. And those people are people of revelation. When true prophets prophesy, revelation comes. If you read my little little book on the blood, the little red book, I have that prophecy in there that came forth in this pulpit. I don't remember if Diana spoke in tongues and I interpreted it. I don't remember that. It could have been. But anyway, I spoke it out about give, play, give much credence to the blood, talk about it a lot, plead it all the time, begin to have faith in it. Yeah. All right. So there are a whole lot of Holy Ghost nightclubs and bless me clubs that they call churches. Come on. Only thing's missing the beer and the smoking and the dancing girls. But it's just a Holy Ghost club. They're just clubbing. No word. No legitimate word. No depth of the word. You know, if I talked like that, I could have a church of 2002. Don't put anything on the people that they can't handle. I haven't put anything on you ever. You couldn't do if I, if you listened. Oh. Yeah, I haven't. People are some obscene people that say things like that. They don't understand anything. A true prophet cannot turn the gift on anytime he wants to. It's exercised as the Spirit wills. See, if the anointing doesn't come on me to do something, I better not do that. And try to act like that's God. Well, you get in trouble with God, then you're really, then you open up your spirit to all kinds of demonic powers, occultic powers. I don't have any pressure on me to perform. It's not a performance. <laughs> I'm just yielding to the Holy Ghost. All right. I, mean, I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. The anointing needs to come in order to minister. Let me, let me take you somewhere in Revelation here, chapter 1. Uh, 
about this comment I just made about a true prophet. He cannot turn things off and on. That the, the, the scripture for that about not turning things off and on is 1 Corinthians 12. But I'm over in Re- Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to talk about this other verse. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, it says uh, you move in these things. And it's not just the gifts of the Spirit, but also the ministry gifts as the Spirit wills. And sometimes, let me just say this, it's not in my notes, but I just feel like talking about it a minute. Sometimes you're more anointed and less anointed. I remember in 95, I preached on angels for 15 Wednesday nights in a row, an hour every week. Never even got done what I knew back then, which was minimal compared to what I know now. And still there's a lot more to learn. I feel so so not very well versed in this area as much as I'd like to be. And I'm working on me, seeing a lot more about angels. Some of it I get to in my meetings, sometimes I don't. Sometimes the level of the people is not open to receive it. What I'm saying is sometimes you can be more or less anointed depending on a lot of things. Are you tired? I'm talking to the preachers primarily because you're not rested and and you're, you're wore out. You're not able to yield to the Holy Ghost. But if you're trying to perform, you might yield to something. Yeah. Because there'll be plenty of other spirits that accommodate you and move on you. Yeah. Say this to this person and... And just act like this is really spiritual. I'm not a woo-woo person. You know that by now. I'm not a woo-woo. You know, some people, they get a word. I don't need to. I just want your word if you really got one. Okay, I know. We're we're talking about something. Here's an interesting scripture based on the anointing needs to come in order to minister. Uh, Revelation 1.10. This is John teaching. I was in the spirit. On the Lord's day. He didn't say I was present. No. He said I was in the spirit. I was in the spirit. I remember one time at my house, I got in the spirit before I got to church and I saw all these trucks lined up. How many remember that prof, that yes, word I gave you? I had a vision. It's all these 18 wheelers lined up and there was a big gate here and somebody was standing over there ready to push the button and open it so all those trucks could get through. And it was about this church and all that God wanted to do in this church it, by way of provision for us. Maybe there's finances, maybe food, maybe doing other things that they, you know, have a leading to do. And all the provisions for that was coming into the dock, into the bay where they back them up, beep, 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 boom. Then they open the back door and they go in and get that stuff out and distribute it. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, and what it did, Jesus started talking to him. You listening to me? So you could be at a service on the Lord's day, but really every day is the Lord's day in my mind, in the sense, generically, but he was in the spirit. That's, that's important to know. You're not going to be in the spirit watching TV and never studying your Bible and never spending any pressure, any time to push yourself into a level of praying where you'd never been. It's just not going to happen for people that have that attitude. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you've got a big name, small name, or medium name, or whatever. I'm trying to help you. But you've got to work at being in the Spirit because the whole planet, listen to me, it's in carnality, it's in darkness. That's what the Bible says. 1 John 5, the whole world lieth in wickedness. That's pretty plain. I don't think you need an explanation. But you can send it a drop of a hat in our communities or on your phone. My gosh. Yeah. 
Just all kinds of things. But we've got to work on getting in the spirit and learning to walk in the spirit. Pastor Nancy made this comment. I don't think I have it with me. You can't operate in a realm you don't live in. And I know my calling is lending itself. And if you've listened to me over the years, especially people that have known me a long time, like Pastor Randy, Pastor Keith, and some others, Brother Michael and Elaine, that, I, that part of my mantle is involved in talking about that other world almost every place I go. Because I want to teach people there's another world besides this natural world that coexists with us. And that's where the real issues are. Yeah, that's where the real issues are. Are you listening? So you need to be praying a little more. I mean, even just listen to me. You just need to be praying more right now. There's a lot of stuff coming, a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. But you don't have to enter into those bad things unless you just want to. But you're going to have to be prayed up and geared up and ready to go and have a little boldness about you when it comes to the devil. Yeah. You remember he showed up in... He didn't show up, but he came to my wife's room when she was, you know, just passed away. And he said, I win. Man, it made me mad. I started yelling at him. There wasn't anybody in that room. I don't care if there had been 10 nurses, I would have done the same thing. I said, you're a liar. You're a failure. You didn't win anything. She went to heaven and she's going to stay there forever. And you got kicked out of heaven and you're never getting back in there. I win. Tell me you win. <laughs> He's just trying to irritate me. It was just a heavy moment for me to look at my wife's body laying there. And so anyway, so let's do our best to get in the spirit. Now, it's not a weird thing when I say in the spirit, but you're more, you become more spiritual minded than you are natural minded. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. I think that the, the problem with body, not everybody, but it just seems like people don't want to rise up and get into that realm and learn to, to stay in there the best they can. And if you do miss it, just be quick to repent and run back to God like Pastor Dennis was teaching us and get back under the blood and yeah. repent. Yeah. All right. Another thing prophets are, this, these are Dr. Dufresne, these are my notes from one of his books, and I've added some things here and there myself. But anyway, he's a friend of God. And you don't need to turn there, but Exodus 33, 11 told Moses he was the friend of God. How would you like to be called that, the friend of God? Right. You know. And even 1 Samuel 24, 10, write that one down. 1 Samuel 24, 10 is when David went into the cave where Saul was sleeping who was hunting him like a wild animal with all of his troops. He hated David. Why did he hate David? He was jealous. They, they came back one time from a battle. David was his chief armor bearer and friend, covenant-minded guy. David was the most covenant-minded in the Bible just about. Of course, he messed up pretty good a couple of times, but it, God said other than that, he lived a clean life and a good life. You listening to me? But he went in that cave. He had a weapon. And he cut a part of the king's robe off of him and got out and stood on the hill. When he came out, he said, I could have killed you, but I'm not going to fool with God's anointed. Amen. Now, listen, that means he had a respect for the anointing, even on a person who is not really like he should be with God. 
Just because he had too much respect for the anointing, wasn't going to come against him. You, you got to be careful how you judge other people sometimes. You could have an opinion, you, you know, and things like that, but you got to be careful you don't get ugly and stuff and mention people's names and things like that. So David was sensitive about the anointing. You got to be careful to not do anything that, <laughs> that would take away any anointing from you. Then here's another thing about prophets. They are men and women of demonstration. You know, I was in a foreign country one time with two preachers. One preacher from Kentucky went with me and one preacher that lived on the, the nation. It was in Central America and Honduras. And we were in this Jeep praying outside a meeting. We're getting ready to go into a meeting. The three of us were praying, praying in this Jeep. He had the motors shut off. We started praying and God shook that Jeep like this. And I looked around, I looked at, because we were just six, weeks from, six feet from some businesses and they had glass windows. And I said, this is just me then. I said, I'm going to look if that happens again, see if anything else is rattling. I don't think it is. A car in front of us isn't shaking. And all of a sudden there it came again. I looked at the window, just plain. We were being, God just shook our Jeep that time. That's a pretty wild demonstration. I've had some things happen that I hardly ever tell because... People think, wow, what kind of deal is that? I don't know. I just know it was God. It wasn't the devil. So we're talking about some things. And sometimes the, the prophets act strangely. I've had some of those events. I remember one time a lady in a prayer line at, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think, Louisville Trinity. Hallelujah. And a lady got in the prayer line. She had on a coat, not, not a coat like this, but a coat for a lady. And she said, you got any remedy for this? And she pulled her thing back. She had a blouse on and she had this tumor there. About to, like if you'd cut a grapefruit in two and stuck it on there, it was that big. And uh, I said, yeah. And I hit her in, the, in that tumor just as hard as I could. And it just went flat into her. And she was healed. It just dissipated. I'm not normally hitting women. Or men. <laughs> and then one other time I was over in Louisville. Some of you may remember this. We went to Pastor Arthur Patterson's church. I think that's the right pastor. You remember we would go over? Yeah. And uh, he, he, they had a, they had a, a Google, Google, Google. <laughs> let me get it together. <laughs> I was up there and I had a word knowledge about depression. And all the people came, got in line. And I got to this one lady. She's from my church named Tawana. She's not an Indian, but it sounds like an Indian name. You know, when I say that, I think about, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds like that. Not making fun of Indians, okay? Don't write me. Brother. <laughs> I'm talking about acting different. When things. So the Lord said to me, when she got, I got in front of her, I'm really ready to pray for her. He said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. Now, she's married to a Marine. He's about six foot three. Her husband, he just got back from Afghanistan fighting the enemy over there. He's a, he's a veteran. He's a mighty man of God. You know, and a Marine too, he kicks some boot to honey. <laughs> and I'm thinking if I hit her and something happens, man, he's going to get me in the parking lot. <laughs> so I just laid hands on her head and totally disobeyed God. <laughs> and if you'd have heard me pray, you'd say, man, that's a good prayer, Dr. Jacobs, just pray. <laughs> Lord, Lord didn't think like that. I took my hand off of her. And he, nobody else heard this but me down here. Are you going to obey me or not? 
Tawana, she was back, going back to her seat. Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. <laughs> I said it that way. And one thing I was so thankful when she lifted her hand, she closed her eyes. She never saw it coming. I just hit her as hard as I could, right in the bread basket. That's what he said to do. Hit her in the stomach. <laughs> now listen, it's so hard to, and this creature came out of her chest. It was a bird looking creature with a demonic head on him. I've had seen that in Columbia, South America before too. And he kind of wiggled as he came out of her chest and he flew off. She fell out. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So we, we get done with the service and she comes up to me and, uh, I said, uh, did anybody tell you what I did? She said, no, but you know, when you touched me, I felt the anointing on me, but said something odd happened to me. I said, really? I played dumb. Really? What happened? Well, I don't know how to tell you. Something came out of my chest and she went like that. I said, yeah, it was a spirit of depression. Came out of your chest and flew away. You're delivered. But see, if I hadn't have done what God said, he couldn't have done what he did. I don't recommend you do that for everybody that needs deliverance, but... See, we got to learn to be led of the Spirit. And you better be sure if you're going to do that to somebody that you know what you're doing. That's all I'm saying. Might get hit upside the head with a purse. All right. Now, here's something else that prophets do sometimes. They warn people. And I'm going to have to shut this down pretty soon. I'll go over the rest of this quickly here. They, they are confrontational. Like Nathan, you know, Nathan laid out stuff for David. Now, which one of those, you know, are you going to choose? Because he knew what had happened to him, what he had done. And he said, you're the man. He told this story about a guy coming and getting the prize sheep from this other farmer. And he was talking about a woman that was married to another soldier. And David took her and had relations with her. And he said, you're the man. You're the man that took that sheep, his precious wife. And you did that. And he, and he finally fessed up to it. Yeah, that was me. So he had options. How about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? I've often wondered how he made all those. There was 400 prophets, I think. I wonder how he made him stand still while he killed them. Not really. I mean, I think about things like that sometimes. I'm not planning to kill anybody. I'm just interested in how all that worked. <laughs> I wasn't sure how you'd take that if I didn't give some additional information. I'm not a violent person except with the devil. But. And then there's John the Baptist. He told, you know, uh, I think it was Herod. He took his brother's wife and she's living at the castle and said, you're a dead man. You took this other man's wife. And of course, the, Herod didn't think very kindly. You rest him, put him in the dungeon. We're going to cut his head slick off. Well, he didn't do that then. But later the dancing girl came out and danced around. What, you know, that's a true story. Talk about a club. It's a club. And she said, what can I, he said, what can I give you for, you know, as a reward? She said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. What kind of girl was she? Yeah, right. She might've been a great dancer, but she is a poor discerner. Yeah. And they cut his head swift off. See, we're just talking, but sometimes the prophets confronted people that were wrong and they, they retaliated. Yeah. I remember I heard a story of, uh, Daisy Osborne, she was the wife of T.L. Osborne. And I saw them together preaching one time, I think once or twice, down in uh, Tennessee. What's that famous city where they have all the amusement stuff? Gatlinburg? 
Yeah, Gatlinburg, the, up on the hill, they had a big Hilton hotel, and I think it was a Hilton, but uh, Norval Hayes from Tennessee, he was hosting a big meeting, and T.L. and Daisy were there. And Daisy told about getting, going somewhere in the Africa. She went back in the bush. I don't know, they drove her in, flew her in, then they drove her in or helicoptered her in, and she was going to preach to this tribe. And the witch doctor there had a real snake in his hand and threw it at her, and she grabbed it in midair, and it became a rod. And she preached to the whole group, and then she threw it back on him, and it bit him. He died. But they realized she, she's right. <laughs> See, there's a lot of things I could tell you, but we're just so Americanized now. And you've seen all the Avenger movies. You could believe all that, but you can't believe what I'm telling you. What's the matter with you? I'm concerned about people that watch the, the Walking Dead. What is wrong with your brains? And people on national TV saying that's my favorite show. And the lady's very smart and attractive and all that. But boy, I thought, I looked at my wife and said, man, that lady's crazy. I just seen a commercial for it and I didn't want anything to do with it. So sometimes anyway, the prophets confront things or warn things. I've had to warn people before. Listen, you don't have forever to make your mind up. That's not a typical thing I do everywhere I go, but occasionally I do. I say, God told me you had a year or two to get this together. And if you don't, you're in trouble. What did God tell me? Do you remember what he told me? If you don't do this now and give the church over to... Now, he wasn't wanting to boot me out, God. He's wanting me to put him in, that he's got what it takes to run the church. And I'm still in the background, you know that. But still, he said, if you don't do that, you're going to be dead in two years. Because you can't travel and preach and be a local pastor too. That's just impossible. And you've been trying to do it for quite a while now. So I said, okay. How many know you could say not okay anytime you want? But if you're smart, you learn to say okay because you'd like living. Mm -hmm. Here's another thing, the grief. Some of the prophets, they, they're grieved about what saddens God. Whatever grieves God's heart grieves the prophet's heart a little bit more than the other four, I think. That's a characteristic. These, all, these notes came out of Dr. Dufresne's book. He wrote two books. Similar, but more information in the second one. But grief, you're saddened by what grieves God. It's not an excuse to be moody, but he gets grieved and could be depressed if it's not handled correctly. You know, I've been there before. I was just so grieved about some things. And almost depression tried to come on me through that. I said, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. And I'm sure a few times it slipped in. Because I'm connected to God. So are you. But I mean, I'm talking about it as a prophet. This is what this is talking about. Whatever God's upset about, it gets on the prophets. Here's another one, intercession. You don't mind me going a few more minutes? I've been going quite a while, but are you learning anything? Yes, okay. Intercession. A real prophet or prophetess is a person of deep intercession. Only when the spirit of intercession hits you. You can't just make yourself get into intercession. Did I say the wrong word there? Okay. Intercession. Uh, and I like to say it this way. All the prophets are intercessors, but not all the intercessors are prophets. Okay. But I remember two incidents that happened to me. Uh, one happened in this church. Uh, I was going to go out to the Navajo Indians and minister. I think it was my, I don't know. Let me think. 
maybe it was my first trip when Mike, Mike, uh, who? Mullinan was going to go with me. And we had a prayer meeting. We were in the old kitchen area over there. And I fell out on my face on, on the carpet. And there was about 12 of us or 15. It wasn't a big group then. But we were praying for my trip to the Navajos. And all of a sudden, I'm praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, I go into this other dialect I've never, ever spoken before or since. And I'm speaking Navajo. I don't realize it at that moment. But when I get out there and I get out of the truck and those people don't speak English unless you're Unless you're a younger generation, they learn English in their schools now. But the older Indians, they don't speak English. So I had to have an interpreter. And uh, I heard those people talking to each other. And I said, that's the language I was speaking in. Yeah. You know, there's a movie famous for it. The Code Talkers, I think. The Navajo Indians, the Japanese, or whoever we were against then. The, Ger the Russians. Not the Russians. The Germans. The Germans and Japanese. They could never break the code because that language is so complicated. And they would get the Navajo talkers on the line to tell other people what to do where they were at in the war. And they couldn't figure out what they were saying. And it contributed to the war being our, our victory. So I had that happen one time. Never spoken that language before or since. But I spoke in it because when I got out here, I realized those people, not all of them, but as a whole, the whole group of them were stuck in the occult. Every leader that I met that was Christian told me the same thing. We had people knock at our door and we'd open the door. There stood a wolf on his back legs talking perfect Navajo to us. How would you like that? That may straighten your hair out. I don't know. There's a lot of things you haven't thought about yet. Me too. I'm not trying to bring weird. I'm trying to help you. That sometimes in that intercession we got into that day and Donna was helping me. I don't think she was speaking the same thing I was. But we were in unity and agreement to 12 or 13 of us that were praying about my trip because there was such oppression. And they don't trust white people. I mean, talk about a community that doesn't trust white people. That's them. And they're even stiffer than the Germans. Yeah, I've been around the world, not every place, but I've been, I've been to a couple of county fairs in a ride. And when I first met this man, he came in, he had sunglasses, a big, tall Indian guy sat down like this, looked at me, first comment out of his mouth, I can tell when white men lie. I folded my arms right back at him. I said, good, we won't have any problem. <laughs> You're not going to come out here and take a bunch of pictures and go home, show it to your church. I said, I'm not, I don't even take pictures. But see, they've been hurt and hurt and hurt. People go out there and trying to be big time, make a production, bring it back to the church. Look what we did. They probably didn't do much of anything. But anyway, I'm just telling you that. <laughs> Praise God. I haven't got time to tell this other incident about the angels helping me in Mexico and Honduras thing. Here's another thing about the prophets. They have hope and expectation and restoration. There's some people in this church tonight that I had a hard time with when they first met me because they were doing some things that wasn't appropriate. And I said, I will let you stay if you will listen to me and obey what I'm telling you. But if I hear any other shenanigans out of you, you're done. But they're still here today. Because yes. I was into restoring them, not punishing them, but restoring them into a place where they wouldn't act that way anymore. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. And so we try to restore people if we can. Then I had another incident with somebody and I knew he wasn't telling me the whole story. 
I want to tell you what happened, uh, Dr. Jacobs. He, he told me what he told me. I said, when are you going to tell me the real story? What do you mean? I said, you're not telling me everything. What do you mean? You know what I mean. Either you tell me the whole story or I'm done with you right now. <laughs> I love you, but I'm not going to put up with your lying to me. Either fess it up or leave. I can help you get restored in that if you trust me. And finally he goes, yeah, he broke down and started crying. He said, yeah, there was more to it than that. So he told me. And I said, well, you need to go home and tell your wife. If you don't, I will call in two weeks and ask her if you told her. And if you haven't told her, I will tell her. What are you doing getting involved? These people were precious to me. I didn't want them to break up over just one silly event in one night. Okay, thank you. I know you don't know what to believe me or not. But anyway, that's what happened. And they got restored and they're still here and they're in good shape. You've got to be willing to work with people if they will work with you. Okay. And then the last one is humility. Men and women of meekness and humility. You're not a know-it-all. I'm not a know-it-all. I'm certainly not that. That uh, in 1 Peter 5, let me go back because I'm close to 1 Peter 5. I think it is verse, uh, let me find my verse. Verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourselves. This is not written to prophets, but this is an element of a characteristic of a real prophet. He's humble. He's not arrogant and proud and tells everybody what to do and stuff like that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's the anointing of God, the hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And by the way, let me say this. You know, when I talk about the ministry of the prophet, I've been in that for a long time. I feel like I should be a lot further ahead, but I'm not. But I've worked on me to try to make myself get what I need to be. I wanted to read a couple prophecies and I'm done. I know I've preached a long time tonight. Uh, I'm talking about this ministry of the prophet, me as a prophet. Not other, I don't can't vouch for everybody else that says they're whatever. But uh, Pastor Nancy ministered to me in 2011, April 3rd, out at her church. She had me preach. I came preached on angels. And she said to me when I got done preaching that morning, As you've come into another place in the spirit, she said, Dr. Jacobs, in revelation, in seeing and knowing, and in the prophet's office. And really, I just feel like I just got into that fully just recently, into the, what she said there. That's been what, about uh, nine or 10 years ago, maybe. See, sometimes people think you're going to be an overnight wonder. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as overnight anything. You're just overnight. But you're not going to grow up in a week or a day or a month. You've got to stay with it day after day after day, after tough times, after great times. Whether it's easy or whether it's hard, you just shut up and just keep moving. You know what I'm saying? And you become something eventually as you do that. I want to make that clear because I don't, we're such an instant society anymore. We think everybody's got to come by tomorrow. I'm going to be a millionaire. You know, that went through the church. You know, so-and-so's teaching on it. And you might be a millionaire. I'm not saying you wouldn't be or couldn't be, but I know people saying that on their telephone when I called them and they can't even pay their rent. I had to help them pay their rent. Hello. <laughs> you should, if you thought that, you could have said it to yourself or to yourself and your wife, but you should never put that on a public phone yeah. with your number. That you're, This is your message to me. I'm a God-made-it millionaire. All right. <laughs> 
And then Pastor Nancy said it another time to me. That was, uh, let me see here. I don't know if the date's not on that. But she said, you're going to have more angels when you travel and more angels in the local church. I meant here. So praise God. Are you listening? Whoo. I'm glad I took the time to do that. I'm, I apologize for preaching a little bit longer tonight to you. <laughs> you know, I, you know, because you prophesy, you prophesy. That doesn't make you a prophet. Because you have a word of knowledge, doesn't make you a prophet. But when you have those things come consistently, and then let me say it to you this way, be helpful. If you have the right fruit, if I tell you this lady got delivered, I'm not lying about it. You could go interview her if you thought it was important. Yeah. And she'd tell you the same thing. Yeah. I had another lady that got delivered. Of course, I think there's some problems now, but that's because you didn't stay with it. Didn't stay with it. They brought this young lady to me, her mother, up at, I think it was Owen's church, and I put laid hands on her, and I said, come out of her. And, all, and so one devil came out from her head. I said, what's that down there in your belly? What do you mean in my belly? I said, put your hand on your belly. Watch what happens when I say this. Come out. And that thing started rolling around under her arm. She goes, my God, what is it? I said, it's the devil. That's a devil for what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, the church was over. I don't care who heard me. I just winked at her. I said, I know what you've been doing because God showed me that. Mm-hmm. Are you following me so far? Yes, sir. I said, you want me to take care of that or leave it? Mm-hmm. I wanted out. So I commanded that to leave her and it did. Yeah. yeah. So, but see, you got to stay with things to stay delivered. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's stand up. You've been sitting a while. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.